Hallelujah. How many is glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. Amen. So this morning we are going to turn to Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah 50. How many got the call this morning? How many got the notice this morning? Amen. So in that, in that call... You got promised, and we're going to look at it in a minute. The Lord has given you, we're going to look at 12 verses, and in this, if you'll do the two areas He wants us to work in, if we'll surrender to these two things that He's trying to get our attention on, He promises 10 blessings and a new name to the person who has a heart that pleases God. Amen? And I want to have a heart that pleases God. I pray that you do too. And uh, we're going to look at the heart that pleases God in Isaiah 58, first 12 verses. If you've got that this morning, stand for the reading of the Word. And the proclamation of the Lord this morning in verse 1 says, Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression in the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily, a delight to know my ways. As a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching to God. Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not? Wherefore have we afflicted our soul, and thou takest no knowledge? Behold, in the day of your fast ye find pleasure and exact all your labors. Behold, ye fast for strife and debate, and to smite with a fist of wickedness. Ye shall not fast as ye do this day to make your voice to be heard on high. It is such a fast that I have chosen. Is it such a fast that I have chosen a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow his head down as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Wilt thou call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? Here's his answer, verse 6. Is not this the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke. It is, not to deal thy, is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou uh, bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh? that they then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy re-reward. Then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger, and speaking vanity... And if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted, so then shall thy light rise in obscurity and thy darkness be as the noonday. And the Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought and make fat thy bones. And thou shalt be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. And they shall, uh, they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places and thou shalt raise up the foundation of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. Wow, good word here this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, and we pray 
that God, you would help us to glean even in the hour that we're living. And God, that you're calling us to a deeper walk. You're calling us, Lord, to search our hearts. You're calling us, Lord, to surrender everything to you. And when we do, God, you've got blessings pinned up, ready to go, ready to pour out on your people. And God, we want those things. And God, we need to hear it. God, let our ears be open. Let our hearts be tuned to what you're having to say. And God, let us do what you want to do and surrender to you this day. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. This morning, again, we're looking at the heart that pleases God. The heart that pleases God. Israel had failed God so miserably and it turned so much to idolatry that they had been destroyed and taken into captivity. And now after a period of time there's a remnant that's here in Jerusalem and, they, and there is a, they're going through and they're coming to the house of God. And if you look at them from the outside, if you looked at them just by your bare eyes, they look like anybody that'd be in one of our churches today. They're, they're the ones that come to the early morning prayer service. They're the ones that is first to get up and testify. They're the ones that looks pretty good on the outside. But God is saying, let me tell you something. He's going to show us in a minute. I've got a message for you. And sometimes we don't want those type of messages. We want, we want, I was thinking this morning as I was going over, we want those good messages. You ever ask somebody, tell me what you think about something and you expect them to say something good? And you're coming, oh, they're going to brag on me. I know they're going to brag on me. And they say, well, if you really want to know, let me tell you this. And you're like, boom, you know, you weren't expecting that. But they tell you the truth anyway. That's what you really want. You say you want that. But sometimes we don't want to hear that. We want to hear just, just we should say, we should actually be honest. Just tell me the good stuff that I want to hear. Don't tell me what the truth is. And that's the way it is sometimes. You know what? It's, you know what? There's times, I, I'm telling you, B.H. Clendenin's preaching. That's one thing about it. I wanted him. I just, I knew how, how he preached. And I knew he was going to step on my toes. So I went ready for it. I was expected. I knew he was going to tell me the truth. And I got to where I went because I wanted to hear the truth. Don't make me feel good. Tell me where I'm really at. And so uh, that's the way it is. And so this first part, we're going to look at four things. The proclamation in these verses, the pretense, the pleasure, and the promise. Those are the things we're looking at. First, we're going to look at this proclamation that's given. It's actually pretty harsh. You don't maybe pick it up when you read it in the English, but it, it seems pretty severe, but it's even more severe in the original language. It says, cry aloud. It's, 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 it's talking about with all your throat, Shout with all your strength, shout it. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet and shew my people their sin, transgression, and the house of Jacob their sins. The Lord is saying, My people's got to hear this. Don't hold back on what I'm getting ready to put out because they're coming before me and they're coming before me and they're doing things and they think they're okay. They're wondering. In fact, you're going to see in a minute, they're going to question God and say, why ain't you doing anything? We're coming before you. We're coming early to pray. We're doing all these things and you ain't moving. What is the problem? Why ain't you doing your part? We're doing ours. And God's going to show them, you ain't doing your part. You got to do your part. In fact, I was thinking this morning, I was, I was thinking as I was praying about that, this situation. I was, have you ever found, have you ever found a glass maybe of milk that you forgot 
and you didn't know where it was. It may got behind something, and it didn't take you. You start, you come in the house, and you're like, whoo, what's going on? Something's not right. Has <laughs> there been a baby in the house? Is there something going on? And so you start looking around, and you're like, something ain't right. Maybe like an old dish rack. But I'm thinking of a glass of milk, and you may find a glass or something that was still in a glass. It was hidden behind something, and you forgot it there for a period of time, and it's gotten pretty putrid. It's gotten clabbered, and it's got a smell that actually reaches out and get a hold of you before you even see it. And you take that glass, and you're like, oh, i got to fix that. That is horrible. And I was thinking about sometimes that's the way my life is to the Lord because of things that's on the inside that's displeasing to Him. I was thinking of going to the sink and taking a rag and cleaning the outside of that thing till it was spotless, till you could just see that it was perfectly clean. There wasn't a smudge or fingerprint. It was perfect, but you didn't clean the inside. You didn't clean the inside. You made sure the outside was just looking perfect. But if you don't clean the inside, I don't think anybody would ever take a drink out of that. You don't want, you want to throw that thing away. because it's, And that's the way that this, you know, we're going to see. That's what we're going to move into. There was, a, there was a proclamation. The Lord said, I love my people so much. I'm going to give them the answer. It's kind of like, let me tell you the perfect example. The, the moment that that young, and it, wanting to know something and hear what you wanted to say, that young, rich Jewish leader who runs up to Jesus and said, tell me what i got to do. Tell me, I've, I've lived, man, I'm telling you on the outside, I look good and I know you're impressed with me and I know you're going to give me some good news. I want ever. hey listen, all my friends are right here, tell me how good I am. What do I need to do to receive eternal life? And we see that he tells him, the Lord doesn't just come right. He starts telling him, answer all these, uh, oh, live right. And, and he went, started going down the commandments. Oh, Lord, I've done them all. I've done them all. I've done them all since the beginning, since I was a young boy. And then he says that he looks, I love this. You're going to hear me say this many times over my life, if, as long as I'm here. You're going to hear me say, I love this because it says, and Jesus looking at him loved him. Yes, he, did. he loved him. And what did he do when he loved him? He told him the truth. He told him the truth. He said, You've done good, but there's one thing, and it's a big one that you're lacking. Sell all you have, give to the poor, follow me. See, it wasn't the fact that money was wrong. It's the fact that God, the money owned him. And so the Lord revealed the very thing that he needed to do. Now, if he would have, I, I wish the boy would have said, Lord, whatever you want, that hurts, but I'll give it whatever you want. I wish we could have seen it happen, but it says he walked away sorrowfully. He didn't want to hear what he had to say. The same thing's going on right here today in this message to the people's, God's people. He's giving a message they don't want to hear. And he says, don't you pull back. When you give this message, you let it fly. You shout it so that everyone hears it because I don't want one ear not hearing it because they need to hear it. Why? I love them. I want them to hear what they, I've got to say. They, they act like they love me and they're after me. And let me tell, I want to tell them why they're not receiving the glory and the presence that they're looking for. So we see the proclamation. Next, we're going to see what he reveals. It's the pretense. There was pretense going on. They thought they were doing okay, but down deep, he's going to reveal they had a pretense. They weren't really living everything that they acted like they were. It says in verse 2, Yet they seek me daily. Hey, they're coming to the house of the Lord all the time and delight to know my ways. They want to hear my word. They're listening to CDs all the time. They're on the internet watching YouTube. And when they're at work, they're listening to Christian music. They want to hear about me all the time. And it goes on. It says, as a nation... This is almost like, this is like tongue-in-cheek. They're doing these things as if they're a nation that did righteousness. They're doing these things, but are they really living righteous before me? And forsook not the ordinance of their God. Are they really living what I've told them to do? On the outside, it looks like they are. But on the inside, and it says, they ask of me, 
the ordinance of God. They, they're asking me to do justice for them. They take delight in approaching God. They come before me boldly. They come in and they come in and they're the first one in the church and they're the ones that shouts and they're the ones that comes in the front pew and they're the ones that puts their... They're, 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 they're active. But I'm not looking on the outside. You see, I look on the inside. And so that's the thing about God and that's the thing about... You and I can pretend some. You and I can have things that's in our heart that when we look around at everybody else, that all of a sudden we can get to where we don't even see it ourselves because we look at everybody else and we think, well, we're in pretty good shape. Lord, you're proud of me. But we can sometimes fool ourselves. But God says, that's not who I look at. I look at the core of your heart. There's nothing you can hide from me. I see everything that's within your heart. They go on in verse 3 and says, Wherefore have we fasted? Lord, we've been fasting, say they, and thou seest not. You're not doing a thing about it. Wherefore have we afflicted our soul? And thou takest no knowledge. Lord, you're not doing your part. Lord, you promised. And, and you've never failed before, but you are this time. You're not doing what you said. But he gives the answer in the second part of verse 3. And he says, here's the reason. He starts showing the pretense. He says, behold... He says, get a magnifying glass and look at what I'm telling you. See if it ain't true. Behold, in the day of your fast, ye find pleasure and exact all your labors. What he's saying is that you come before me, yes, and you're going through religious motions. But even when you are fasting before me, you find ways to please yourself. You're not really trying to please me. You're trying to please yourself. And it says exact your labors. It's saying that you oppress people around. You have rela Your relationships around you is horrid. People that you deal with, people, it's talking about here. And what they were doing in this time, they had people that were their, their servants. And they were being meaner to them in the days that they fast than any other time. In fact, it'll go on, and, and we're going to see in verse, uh, 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 verse 4, Behold, ye fast for strife and debate. It's saying that when you fast, you're meaner than ever. You're, you're, it's saying that you on the outside, you're going through the motions, but it's not making a change in your life. It's, it's, you're going down so far. But the key is, is that if you were to look at who sits in your heart, who's sitting on that throne, they would find themselves sitting there instead of God. And he's saying, you come and do these things, and you come and you want to please, but there is a point you get to, you say, but God, don't do this. You can't have this. I don't want to give this up. And he's saying that our hearts is toward God, but we're indifferent toward God. We are not completely yielded to God. That we're more worried about our own pleasures and our own things. And we think that if we just go through a pretense, if we just go to church and we read our Bible and we do a few things, that that's the same thing as having a real relationship with God. And God says, I want more. God wants all of you. And the thing is, if this is the part that if I could just get this point across, there is blessings that we're going to see. People, the reason that we go through these things and we hold back on God is because we're trying to protect ourselves. We're trying to gain things for ourselves. We're trying to make sure we get what we want, right? 
And God's saying, if you could only see, if you would let those things go, what I've got ready for you will blow your mind more than you could ever do for yourself. And people are hanging on all day long trying to hang on for their own selves. God, I want it my way. I want to have it my way. And God says, if you let go of what you want, you will never turn back to that stuff because what I want to do is way more than what you want to do. And so we see there that he's saying that there is this strife, there's this debate, there's this, uh, it says even it says to smite with the fist of wickedness. That word wickedness is vicious. He said you're vicious. You, you don't love other people. You, you, not only do you not really love me like you think you do, you don't love other people. Isn't that the core of the great, the number one and two commandment? Is thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, strength, and the second shall be like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And he's saying you've missed one and two. And scripture says if you do those two things, all the rest of them's taken care of. You're missing the boats. what he's saying. You don't love me and you don't love your neighbor. He's revealing their true heart. And he's trying, he's hitting them and we're hurt. He's getting them at the quick. And, and he's trying to get their attention. And then he asks this question in verse 5. Well, let me go on. In verse, jump down to 9, because I think you've got to put this in there. Second part of verse 9 says, If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, we put yokes upon. What's this yoke? What's a yoke? It's when, it's when you put that burden on someone's neck and you put a, there's a rope that goes and ties you, the, the animal, to that yoke and you control them. He's saying if you take away from the midst of thee the yoke that you put on other people and the putting forth of the finger, you, you blame other people. We, we can talk about people. If we don't watch, we talk about people. And, and we're all guilty at some point of that. But we've got to watch. God says, you're looking at other people. And could I not look at you? Could I not reveal what's going on in you? And he says there that, uh, uh, that, that uh, putting forth of the finger and speaking vanity. We sh we've got to quit blaming other people for every. There's people like that. that Everything that goes wrong in their life, it's that person's fault. <laughs> the reason everything's turned upside in my world, it's not my fault. It's somebody else's. We can easily find someone else to blame. And the Lord says, quit doing that. And quit blaming other people. And quit talking about other people. If you'll do those things is what He wants us to do. And if thou, verse 10, if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry... And to satisfy the afflicted soul, then that, and then he goes on to tell the starts the promise. Then shall thy light rise in obscurity, and thy darkness is noonday. Let's look at verse five. So he's telling them, he's giving them their pretense, and then he asks them a question: Is this a fast that I've chosen? These things that you're you're fasting. In fact, at that time, there was only one day a year that the Lord had already commanded for them to fast. Only one at that point. And he's saying to them, you're, you're fasting, you're doing all this fasting. Is this what I want? And he says, a day for a man to afflict his soul. Is it to bow his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Wilt thou call this a fast? What he's saying there, you've got to get that because you may think, well, God's saying, no, I don't want you to ever do any of these things. No, he's saying this. He's saying, what is the purpose of fasting? Why does someone fast before me? Is it not that we break ourselves down before Him? Is it not that we humble ourselves in, to Him so that there is such a change in them that it changes not only the way they look at me, but the way they respond to others? I was telling someone else the other day that there's one thing about fasting. We was talking about fasting. And I said, if there's one way I describe what the impact of fasting is, even in my life when I've done this, is the fact it quietens the voices of the world. 
All of a sudden, all these things that's trying to control you, your mind's going a million miles an hour. And when you fast and humble yourself before God, it is it's when we give up fleshly and worldly things so that we can have a spiritual uh, a growth and a spiritual move toward the things of God. It's like all of a sudden you notice the voices that's in your mind that's raging in your life starts quietening down. There is a disconnection from all these things that's pulling at you. And all of a sudden, you can hear the voice of God so much clearer. And what he's saying here is, that's not what you're doing. He's saying, is it just the motion? Is it just not eating? Is that what, is that what a fast really is? Is it just not eating? Is it just bowing yourself over as a bull rush? Is it just the bowing of your body and putting on different clothes and getting in uh, ashes? And is it all outward stuff? Is that what I really want? And the answer is no, it's not what's on the outside. What I want is what's on the inside. You're missing the point. And it's not, so they were doing really well at doing the outside, but he said, let me work on this inside. And it says at the end of verse 5, Wilt thou call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? Is this what I really want? And the answer, in fact, one verse says, I want you to quit doing all these things. Not in this chapter. But there's times that God says, don't even, don't come before me with all these sacrifices and all these things because it's, it's, it's just, I don't even want to look at it anymore. Why? Because he looks at the heart. So, so what does he want? So if this is not what he wants, and so we see there's the proclamation. He wants to get the word out. There's the pretense. He's going to reveal. Sometimes God brings us, oh, he just shows us really where we are at, and he opens up our pretenses. Thank God he's not done right there. Maybe just that he doesn't condemn us, but he gives us a chance, and he shows us what he wants. We're going to see next the pleasure. These are the things that God wants. These are the things that pleases God, and he lets them know that you want to please me. You say you do. Let me tell you what's going to make you please me. First, we're going to see in verse 6, we're going to see that what pleases God is setting others free just as God set you free. We need to set other people free. In verse 6, is not this the fast? Another question with the answer to the affirmative. Yes. In other words, it's saying, this is the fast I've chosen. To loose the bands of wickedness. To undo the heavy burdens. And to let the oppressed go free. And that you break every yoke. He's saying to them, the way that you respond to me, when your heart is right before me, you're going to look at other people totally different than you're looking at them. People are not going to be the same as they are in your eyes. He's saying there at the beginning, I want to loose the bands of wickedness. Now this is a two-sided coin. It's you and there's another side of what it does to them. God's saying, this is what I want to do. I want to change the things that's in your heart that's causing you to act this way. I want you to realize when you please me and you put your heart right to me, I want to break down some strongholds in your own life. I want you to trust me and realize I'm the only one that can make those things happen that you want. I'm the only one that can give you true joy and happiness. I'm the only one that can do it. And you are being bound and pulled by the things of this world. I want to set you free. There is a breaking of chains. It's talking about breaking of chains in your life. And not only that, he wants to break chains in other people's lives, that bondage that we... Do you know we put... And, and I was thinking about this, and it was, I was struggling with this. Well, Lord, should I preach this? Because we don't have slaves. We don't have these people. I mean, some of us maybe I'm an employer. I mean, I'm a boss, and I can treat people wrong. And there, but there can be people in your life that you treat wrong, and you don't have to be their boss. 
Think in your life. Is there people in your life? Is there relationships in your life that maybe it's not the really... If they were to ask that person, are they a Christian? And they may say, I don't think they are. Why? The way they treat me. <laughs> because of the way they... And God's saying, listen, let me tell you something. If you, want to, if you want to understand what he's saying here, it's the same thing as the parable when he tells of the man who was forgiven the incredible, unbelievable, uncountable debt. He was doomed for the rest of his life in prison. Never to be set free. And his master had compassion on him and said, I'm going to set you free. You're forgiven. A debt he could never, he couldn't even count that high, much less pay it back. And then he goes out. Instead of showing that same love and compassion on other people, he went and found somebody owed him just a fraction. Just a small little fraction of what he owed. And he went through and said, I ain't having mercy on you. I'm not going to have grace and mercy on you. I'm throwing you in prison. And it cost him everything. Why? And the master said to him, what are you doing? Do you not know what I did for you? Should you not have a different attitude toward other people? Because of what I did for you. And this is exactly what he's saying to us here. Because of what I've done in your life. And all the grace and mercy and forgiveness that I've given you. It should first show up. In the way we treat other people. It should show up in the way we treat it. It should cause us to set other people free. That doesn't deserve it. Do we deserve it? Absolutely not. We didn't deserve it. We never will. And yet freely he gave us forgiveness. You know what? We need to set other people. We need to not be unjust. We need, it's talking about being unjust. Sometimes we can see people, and I pray that's none of us, but I just, just feel like I need to talk about it. There's three things in this area I just need to talk about quickly. One, don't be unjust. Don't see someone else as a tool to use to benefit yourself. Is there something in our lives that when we look at someone, all we're doing, if we look at our relationship, it is the only time that we come to them, the only time we get around them is so that we can benefit ourselves. And God sees that. And God says, I'm merciful to you. And you should be someone who loves people and not uses people. So he tells us, don't be unjust. Don't be unjust. Not only that, sometimes we can be unfair. You know, kids can be pretty unfair, right? It doesn't just go away when we get out of kindergarten. It just keeps right on going if we don't watch out. Um, sometimes we demand actions. And I know nobody here does this. But sometimes we demand things in other people that we have a different standard for us. Now, if it's me now, don't do me that way. But I can't. you got to do better than me. you got to do better than that for me. We sometimes can have a heart toward people that they've got to live up to a higher calling than we do. And the Lord says, no, 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 no. That's not the way it is because there's no one that lives a higher standard than God. And we come up to Him. And when He looks at us, none of us meet up to His standards. None of us is good as we should be. None of us has anything without His forgiveness. And the Lord says, I forgive you. I have mercy on you. I don't get tired of helping you. And so... We don't need to be unjust. We don't need to be unfair. Now, this one's sometimes hard. We also don't need to be unforgiving. This is, this is sometimes hard because sometimes we don't even, we block it out. We don't even realize it. This, this is, gets a little uncomfortable because sometimes when you search your heart, maybe you know it whenever you see someone. Let me tell you an easy way. If you ever, can you think of anybody in your life that when you see the person, you intentionally try to go the other way. 
It's like, Lord, I don't want to talk to that person. I really don't. And you find yourself, maybe you find your fist closing up or you find a snarl come on your face or you think, oh, man, I remember what they did to me. You know what that's a sign of? Unforgiveness. And so the Lord, I think, is dealing with us here. And listen, as I'm, you, the preacher's not exempt for this stuff, and the preacher's not uh, perfect in every way. I can tell you that right now. The Lord deals with me too. And, I, and I, as I'm going through this stuff, Lord, I said, Lord, you've got to work in me. Lord, reveal things in my heart, and you've got to help me. But the Lord says, if you want to please me, you've got to want to be just with everyone around you. Treat them the way they should be treated. Treat them the way you'd want them to treat you. Be fair with other people. Treat them right. Don't take advantage of people. Don't use people. Don't have a standard for people that's above what you. You need to treat people better than you would want them to treat you. And we've got to learn to forgive. We've got, if there's something, let me tell you something. Every one of us, at some point in our life, someone's done something to us. Every one of us. And sometimes you may have so many scars, you could write a book on how many times someone has done things to you. I know that. There's been, and I'm listening, it doesn't take us long. If we try to think of it, we can find a whole bunch of offenses. But when we look at that forgiveness, that great debt we could never pay that the Lord forgave us, who in the world could say that I've been forgiven less than I've had to forgive others for? The Lord's forgiven us of so much. And all He asks us to do is... Tr we can't do it in ourselves. If God's revealing something in your heart, you can say, but you don't know what they did to me. And your fist is closed and, and so forth. And you need to say, God, that's the very thing you've got to help me oh, with. Yeah. God, you're going to... Lord, I can't do it in myself. I can't do it in myself. There was, uh, I've told you this a long time ago, uh, but sister, one of the uh, amazing stories that I heard, there's a little lady at First Pentecostal, and, and mom and dad will correct me later and tell me what I'd got wrong on this deal. But I remember that she had, uh, she had uh, there, was a, there was a situation in her marriage with her husband, and some woman took her husband away from her. And I think she lived in Hazard. And I remember her telling a story and testifying that the Lord dealt with her heart. I mean, she was a God. I'm telling you what. You want to see a godly woman. That woman, I'm telling you what. Even as a kid, I, I dreaded her getting up because she's 40 minutes. When she into service, I'm ready to go play with my friends. I'm just a kid, and I'm ready to go. I'm sitting on the edge of my seat, and Sister Sailor just raises her hand. She's real feeble. She's, and, uh, and Brother Huff would give her the microphone, and I was thinking, 40 minutes. 40, this is going to be 40 minutes. And so she's going. But when she exhorted, I wish I could hear again but when she said something boy you, you, you ought to write it down it should have been something recorded and handed out to everybody because it was a little rhema a little a little word from God that was so powerful that God had given her and it was good stuff but she told one time of the woman that had done her wrong she didn't realize but she found that she had unforgiveness in her heart and the Lord revealed it now, you would have never known it. You couldn't have seen it. But God showed her. She still had a little something. And she had good reason. This man, well, this woman took her husband away from her. And she, was, she had a little bitters. And, and, and she had an excuse too. This was back. She didn't drive. I don't think she drove at all, did she? And she had to, I think she had to get a bus or get someone to take a train. Okay. It was at Hazard. Lynch, okay, Lynch, Kentucky. And I guess it wouldn't matter if I put another town or whatever, but it was far enough away that she hadn't... No, and so she could have said, well, God, I ain't got, God said, you need to go fix that. And she's like, okay, God. And he dealt with her, and she finally said, okay, I'll do it. I, I didn't realize I did it. And then so she had, she had to go out of her way. Sometimes we'll say, well, God, Lord, I can't fix that because there's an excuse. I can't do it. 
And, and unless they're dead, you can. So, uh, uh, so we see that the Lord told her. And she got on a train and went to this woman's door and knocks on the door. And the woman opens Now, the woman probably thought she was going to punch her or something. She probably realized it. If you seen someone you took, you would think, oh, no, this is vengeance time. Nobody's around. I'm and she comes to her. And she's scared to death, no doubt. Well, what do you want? What do you want? And you know what she said? I want you to know that I'm sorry and I forgive you for what you did. And I had bitterness towards you. Will you forgive me? Wow. Wow, what a powerful thing. Let me tell you something. You say, well, that's just too much. That's too much. No, let me tell you something. I'm going to show you in just a second. It's worth it. It's worth it. So we need to make sure that we uh, set other people free. God's showing that there's bondages we put on people that's not right because God set us completely free. In his... In his uh, Lord's Prayer, he says, Forgive me, Lord, as I forgive others. You know what that's saying? If I don't forgive, that shuts the door to your forgiveness in my life. So we've got to learn to let those things go. So not only that, but he goes on. That's the first part. But verse 7 tells us that we also need to give to others as God has given to us. God gives us things to see if we'll be blessings to other people. And I'm telling you, it's so hard sometimes. We have all kinds of excuses here. But the Lord, I was talking to Marie about it a bunch yesterday. We got to do more. You know, the Lord dealing with me. But we got to know, you know, there's all kinds of excuses. But it says in verse 7, it says, it says, is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry? He's saying that we need to give our bread. We need to look to those that are hungry. Not only to those that are hungry, but to the poor. And it says, goes on and says, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house. Ooh, what? You mean I got to stick my neck out? I've got to bring these people. I mean, you mean I, gotta, I, I can't just send money to some mission? I got to do something myself? And this is scary stuff, isn't it? Uh, 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 and I'll, I'll tell you, I, I'll tell you this next, I mean, do this next verse and I'll tell you about it. I'm telling you, this, this man of God that just really just tore me up. He goes on and says the third part. And when thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. For these people had no compassion that he's talking to on their own people, in fact, their own families. They had become so indifferent that all they were doing is worried about themselves. It's so easy to be that way. It's so easy for us to see our own problems and our own needs. And God, you know I'm trying to fix this. And you know i got to save up for this. And you know that the car needs this. And you know we're trying to fix this on the house. And all this. And the Lord may be given. And there's times that God, there is time specifically that God will pour things through you. And it'll be a test. Will you do what I tell you? Sometimes he'll open a door. And the question will be, will I let go? Will I let go? And God wants us to have compassion on those. It's, not, it's going to be easy to, to, to not be that way because many times, many times in these situations, we can look at someone else that's in these categories and we can say, have you ever done this? Well, it's their own fault. It's their own fault. They hadn't done this. They hadn't done that. They listened to me when I told them this or whatever. Sometimes, I'm not saying that we go around bailing everybody out of their messes, but I'm saying there is times when people have legitimate needs and they're looking to us and God says, can I pour myself through you? Do you have a heart of compassion? When you were worthless, when you were an outcast, when you were a sinner that smelled like the inside of that glass, I still did a work in your life. 
And will you let me do things in yours because people is watching. There's people that won't come through the house of God because they're watching and we just don't realize it. And that we don't have compassion. And sometimes, and we always, we have, but they're going to take advantage of us. And they're going to do that. Lord, we just need to, be, Lord's going to have to help us. He's going to have to help me. He's going to have to help us to see, God, show me what you want me to do. God, show me, let my, you know, the biggest thing is, is what's on the heart. Do we have a heart of compassion? Do we have a heart of compassion? Do we have a heart of love? Because that's what he's looking at. He's saying, I'm looking at your heart and you don't. And he's trying to get our attention. He's trying to get our attention. So we, thank God we're moving to the promise, okay? So we've been through. We have went through and seen that the Lord's telling us the proclamation. You need to hear what I got to say. He's revealing there's things in our heart. I'm giving you the pretense. Now I'm telling you what I need you to do. Here is the things that pleasure me. These are the things I want you to do. Now let me give you the incentive to do it. Here's the promises that go with it. You're saying, God, you're asking so much of me. You're trying to, look what you're taking, Lord. Lord, look what you're asking from me. But God says, but when you give it, let me tell you what I'm going to do for you. He says in verse 8, we're going to look at these promises. It says in verse 8, the first part says, Then shall thy light break forth as the morning. Now, that doesn't seem like a lot. But God's saying, your life is pent up. Your life, there is blessings that I have ready to go. Your name's on the top. Before Christmas, you ever go over to mom's house, before Christmas, and I mean my mom and your mom, or especially when you're growing up, did you ever go and you look and see which presents has got your name on it? <laughs> Ooh, look at that big box. That's mine. It's not mine yet, but it's going to be mine. <laughs> That's mine. All I got to do is get to Christmas Day, and that's mine. Well, that's the way the things, it's not some uh, 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 one time a year thing that we get by default, but the things of God is just like that. God has got these pin-up things that He wants to pour out in your life, and, this is the, and He wants to pour Himself through you. And this first one says, your light, there is things that I'm going to, I'm going to, you're going to be such a beacon for the things of God. If you do what I tell you to do, that all of a sudden it's going to be like a beacon shine out of you, like a spotlight that others can see my glory through your life. And the reason it's not there right now is because you're withholding and you're holding it inside and you're not letting me work. But when you follow me and obey me, all of a sudden my glory is going to be able to shine out of you. And other people's is going to see me through you. I read a little story that was talking about Alexander the Great. And Alexander, one of his big conquests, he was so proud of his campaign. And he came back from his victory. And he came back to town. And he went and found his old teacher, Aristotle. And, and, and Aristotle was at home. And in fact, he was older. In fact, he was in his bath. And, and here Alexander, the leader, comes. And, and I, I was surprised he even gave him interest. And he stayed right in the bathtub. And he comes in and Alexander is sitting there. He's wanting to brag about all the things he's just done. And he thinks that Aristotle is going to brag on him and say, boy, you, you're, my, you're my star pupil. <laughs> you're the one man. You got it. You were listening when I taught you. And he got to the end of all of his conquest and all the things he'd accomplished. And he said, now, Aristotle, what can I do for you? Aristotle didn't say a thing. Kept on washing. He said, maybe you didn't hear me. What can I do for you, Aristotle? And Aristotle says, you can start by getting out of my light. Get out of my light. I can't even see what I'm doing. He, had no, he wasn't impressed. 
All he was saying is, is you're blocking, you're bragging, and all this stuff is keeping me from getting cleaned up. You're blocking the lights, what you're doing. Isn't it the way sometimes our life is? We're all impressed at what we're doing, but the, the Lord says, if you just get out of the way, my light can shine through. That's exactly what I want you to do. You get out of the way, and I can shine through. So we see there, that's the first promise. They keep getting better. It goes on and says, and thine health, boy, who don't want this one? And thine health shall spring forth speedily. Do you know what he's promising here? Is that physically, I'm going to do some things in your physical body that would never happen unless you can just obeyed me and you surrendered to me. Let me tell you something. Just the opposite is true. When you do these things and you're protecting yourself and you're getting upset and you're trying to control everything in your life, there is physical paydays happening. You're paying a price for that. When we get agitated and tore up and worried and we're struggling and all these things is going on, we are paying a price in the physical body. But when we learn who our help cometh from and we surrender to that, all of a sudden there's joy that wasn't there before. And joy brings forth like a medicine in our life, the glory of God moving in our life. And God says, I'm going to improve even your health because you trust in me. Oh, I'll take that, Lord. I'll take that. I want to be your light. I want you to move. He keeps going, number three. And it says, and, and, and verse eight, it continues, it says, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. It's almost like that person that was a, a big official that goes and there's people coming and says, Hail, hail the king, hail the king, or hail uh, uh, Joseph, the, the second to the king. And people were seeing before he even got there, it's, there was a proclamation that people were seeing him before he even got there. Why? He's saying that when you trust in me, that the righteousness that I put there, not yours, not yours. What I do in your life, it's going to go before you so that people see me and see what I can do in lives. Oh, you'll become a powerful testimony to God's power in your life. It goes on and says in verse, the end of verse 8, And the glory of the Lord shall be thy re-reward. That's an unusual word. We know what rewards are. A reward is that blessing, that, that uh, gift. This word re-reward is talking about God has got our back. This says that this word means God guards our back. Not only is He in front of you, not only is He working, He's sent before. He's already sent His goodness before you. He's already sent His word and His light before you. But not only that, you don't even have to worry about your back. He says, I got it. I've got you surrounded 100%. You don't have to worry about it. 360 degrees. I got you. I'm your re-reward. I'm the one that's blessing you whether you're coming or going, no matter which direction, I'm the one that's blessing your life. Hallelujah. He goes on in verse 9 and says, Then thou shalt call, and the Lord shall answer. Oh, isn't it wondrous when we could come to God? They're, they've been complaining here at the beginning of this. Lord, we're doing all these things. And you're not even answering us. He says, you do these things. When you call, hey, I'm going to answer. I'm ready to answer. I was ready to answer before. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm answering you. And thou shalt cry, and he, being God, shall say, here I am. Oh, isn't it wondrous to know that we, at the moment, at the, just the smallest situation we come into, that we can throw up that prayer. Oh, God, do you see what I'm going through? And the Lord says, I see it. I'm there. 
As Hezekiah, who was given the word, he's going to die. And he turns to the wall. And the, and the prophet walks out. And he gets going out of the building, I mean, out of the temple. Or not the temple, but out of the, uh, the palace. And before he can get out of the court, Hezekiah turns over King Hezekiah, who lived right before God. And he starts weeping before God and asking God for mercy. And God sends the word back to that prophet who ain't got out of the house yet. And what was his message? He has to turn around and he has to walk right back into the castle and right back up the steps, right back to his bedroom. And he still, Hezekiah's just been praying for a few minutes. He's sitting there with tears. He's turned toward the wall. He's crying out to God. And he says, Hezekiah, I got another message from you. And what's that message? The Lord said to tell you, I heard your cry. I heard your cry. You're going to live for 15 more years. Why? Because when we are godly before Him, when we have a heart toward the things of God, all we got to do is throw it up. And He hears it. Why? Because our heart is in tune with Him. And He hears our cry. Boy, you're talking about powerful. Isn't that what we need more? Hey, I'd rather have Him than any president or any senator or any leader in this world to hear my cry. I want God to hear it. Because He can change anything. He can change anything. Verse 11 says, And the Lord shall guide thee continually. Every step, if you're tuned into me and listen to me, I'll guide your steps. I'll guide your life. And the end of it will be blessed. Why? Because I'm the one leading your steps. Why? Your heart's tuned into me. I'm going to guide thee every single step of the way. Well, we make mistakes is when we do our own thing and all of a sudden we're missing God's steps and God's trying to tell us to make a turn and we keep going our own way and we don't figure out we got a mess till we, if we end up in the middle of some big problem. And all of a sudden, God, where did I miss you? Well, if you'd been listening to me, if you'd been humble, if you'd been listening to me, you would have seen I was trying to guide you, but you're not listening. And it goes on. Oh, I love this next one. we got a few more. But these are all promises to you today. Verse 11 goes on and says, And satisfy thy soul in drought. Listen, he says there that when everyone else around you is suffering, when everyone else around you is feeling the impact of what's going on, when everyone around us is feeling what's going on in this world today, I'm going to be a well that is deep that you're tapped into and you're going to have joy when everyone else has a frown on their face, when everyone else has frown of fear upon their face and you're going to be able to be the one that says, Hallelujah, I'm, on, I'm standing on solid ground. I know who I trusted. And all of a sudden people are going to say, what's wrong with you, buddy? What have you been smoking? What have you been drinking? Something's wrong with you. What is the deal? No, you don't understand. I've got a source that you don't know anything about. What? is that oh, he promised if I trust him with all my heart and soul he's going to let me be tapped into the solid rock and there's a joy that you don't have anything to know about but you can hallelujah hallelujah he promises us that he ain't going to forget you he ain't going to leave you and hang you out you give him your all and he says I'll be that source even when everyone else is going through drought Hallelujah. I can see the prophet that's sitting over there and there's been three years of famine and the prophet's sitting over there and there's a brook that's got water going by and he's even got ravens bringing him something to eat on a daily basis and the Lord's meeting his need when everybody else can't find nothing but a dust biscuit. That's all they can find because there's nothing and we see that the Lord is supplying His servant through it all. Right in the middle of it. God knows what He's doing. So we see that he says he'll satisfy, goes on in verse 11, and make fat thy bones. You know what he's talking about? I'll prosper you. 
I'm going to do things in your life that no one can, you ain't going to take credit for it. I'm talking about not only your health, but I'm talking about that I'm going to, I'm going to make your health speedy. I'm going to make your health, I'm going to make you so, just, just like when, when Daniel and them, they said, well, we don't want to eat the king's meat. And we don't want to eat these things that sacrifice to idols. And they said, no, let me, you know, this eunuch said, you don't understand. Because if you lose weight and you don't look healthy when we stand before the king, it's my head. Do you understand what you're asking me to do? And they loved, he loved Daniel. He loved him. But he said, you've got to trust me. You see, I serve God. It's got a different set of rules. And things don't have to happen the way that you can understand. But he says, give me a test. He says, go 10 days. Give me 10 days. Let us just, let's eat pulse. Let us just eat vegetables. Drink water. Things that none of, I mean, me turns me totally off. I mean, that would just, I got to have some meat and some carbs and, and I shouldn't. I need to get away from them. But I, I like, you can tell, but look, I like some stuff, you know. And so they, but, and he said, well, yeah, listen, 10 days, that's it. Because if you get too thin, it's going to be my head. And so they did. And they did what God asked them to do. Do you know what had happened at the end of that? He compared them to everybody else and he said, my Lord, how is that even possible? You're fatter and plumper than all the rest of them. You, you, you look like you've been eating Big Macs three times a day for the, for the, and getting a snack at night. What have you been doing? How is those vegetables doing that? Why? I'm tapped into a source you don't know. I'm I, the Lord, my, my God says I can take what you're going through and I can make you prosper when no one else does. I've got it under control. You don't have to understand how He does it. And that's what He promises to do. we got two more. And it says in verse 11 also, And thou shalt be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters never fail. You get out in that Sahara Desert, you get out there and you see that uh, uh, Euphrates River and you get there, and I think that's in the Sahara, but you get out there in that Euphrates River that's flowing down through there, and you go out about a mile in any direction, and you ain't going to find nothing but powder. It's a dry. But you take that source where that water is running down through that desert, and all of a sudden on both sides, you'll find lush greenery and trees and life. And what's the difference? It's that river. It's that river. And what he's promising here is that I'm going to make your life like a, like a watered garden. Have you ever seen beautiful gardens and, and, and they've, got, they've got timers set up on, uh, on these sprinklers and three or four times a day at the perfect time, the right amount of water, they're just, it's just spraying down everything and it's so lush and before you even wake up, it's wetting everything down and it's growing and it's beautiful in everybody else's yard and everything else looks like death and, and it's powder and you look over and somebody else who has put the water in irrigation they're, they've got this beautiful, lush, unbelievable yard. And it's like, what in the world is that? It's that flow of that river, that water that gives life. And he says, I'm going to make your life like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters never fail. Like that one in our backyard that dad was trying to, mom was trying to get us to take the buckets and get it all out of there because dad wanted it all done. And we couldn't, we couldn't do it fast enough. As soon as we take a bucket, five-gallon bucket, and take it and throw it in the back, uh, the back property, and we come back, it was right back where it was. We didn't, I mean, we never could say, kept saying, Mom, it ain't, it ain't nothing happening here. And she, no, your dad said do it. 50 more buckets. And we worked and worked and worked and worked and finally, that water is at the exact same level after hours of work that it was when we started. And what was it? It was a spring. And as soon as it was used, it was refilling itself right back up. And God says, you can't outdo me. You can't outgive me. You can't outforgive me. Your life is going to be a, such a blessing. If you do what I tell you to do, you'll never miss it. 
You'll never, you put me first, you test me, and you see if I don't come through for you. Hallelujah. And then finally it says, And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundation of many generations. You know what it's saying? It's talking about things that's been tore down. You let God have His way in your life. And even things that the enemy has stolen. Even things that's been broken down and you gave up hope on. Things that looks like it's impossible. The Lord says you're going to rebuild. I'm going to give you back even things that you've lost. I'm going to show that I can do things that looks like it was too late. It looked like there's situations that we're praying for. It looks like it's too late. It looks like there ain't a thing. It looks This is something we just might as well give up on and go on to the next. But God says, let me tell you something. You trust me the way I want you to trust me. I'm going to rebuild things. I'm going to give you a foundation that you know. And not only impact you, but it's going to impact those around you. So God promises us ten things. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. That's just part of the things that He's got stacked up with your name on. And the question is, is will we hear what He has to say? But He doesn't stop there. He gives us a brand new name. Did you catch that in the text? He gives you a new name. Not only am I going to do all those blessings, but He says, I'm going to give you a new name. What is that new name? And verse 12, it goes on and tells us, it says, And thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths, to dwell in. What's a breach? A breach is when there is a wall and there's a hole through it. It was pretty big in the Civil War. That's what the enemy was trying to do. They wanted to breach the line. They would stand up and they would arm to arm and they would fight the battle. And the enemy would come in with a pinpoint accuracy looking for weak spots. And they would try to come through and break through a line at a certain point and take out the people in that line so that they could come busting through and come in behind them and flank them. It's such a powerful thing. It's, such an, it's, it's something that happens even today in battle. The enemy wants to get behind you. Of course, we've already seen God says, I'm your re-reward. <laughs> they can't get behind you because I'm already waiting. Let them come on through. I'm waiting on them when they get back there. But the Lord says you're the repair of the breach. There's been people's lives that you love and you care for. And the enemy busted through and he got in. There's defeat. There's things that happened. There's scars. People's hurt. People's in bondage. But he says you, because you're obeying me and you're doing these things, I'm going to use you as a vessel that's going to help breach that gap. That's going to close that line in so that healing can begin. And there's going to be new paths. There's going to be people that call on me. There's going to be people that trust. There's going to be people whose heart has been shipwrecked. They're going to find courage and strength and help. Why? Because you was willing to give me your life and surrender your life to me. And you are going to be the very thing that they're going to see. It's going to be me do the work. It's going to be me working through you. And they're going to reap the benefit. And you're going to be one called, there's the repairer of the breach. There's the one who gave me hope when I thought all was lost. There's the one that their life impacted me. And because what God did in them, I realized He could do it in me. And all of a sudden, God can do mighty things. You know that? God wants to do that. Oh, I want Him to do it today, don't you? I want Him to do it today. So we need to ask God, God, give me a heart that pleases You. God, give me a heart that pleases You. God, search me. Don't let me go through all of this. And God, inside, when You look at me, You see that old glass. God, cleanse me from the inside out. Amen.
I hope you have that desire like I do this morning. Let's stand this morning. Let's stand and ask the Lord to give us a heart if Priscilla would come toward Him. Almighty God, I, Lord, I thank You. Lord, that God, You not only love us enough to reveal us, God, You want us to hear. You don't want us, Lord, to miss out on the best that you have for us. And God, sometimes we, we just, Lord, we, we short, we just sort of sell ourselves short. And God, we get satisfied. And God, we, we think that surely you're, surely you're probably pleased with us because we're doing so good. But God, you're saying, Lo, I want you to see yourselves the way I see you. And if you'll give me everything, if you'll surrender it all to me, if you'll love me with all your heart and mind and soul and strength, and you'll love others like yourself, then I'm going to do the most incredible things in your life, and I'm going to give you a brand new name. Others is going to see me like they've never seen me before. Why? Because of what you're doing and because of your surrendered life to me. God, thank you you want to use us. God, thank you that there's lives in this building today, God. Even some that's online. God, you want to shine through them, Lord. You want to break forth like noontime, as Scripture says. Because we're in a dark time. And Lord, people can see the light of your glory today greater than any other time. The enemy doesn't like it. He doesn't want it. He doesn't want it to come forth. But God, you want to shine as noonday. You want to let other people see this isn't hopeless. But God, they can put their trust in you. And God, God, you'll use people to do it. Lord, that's who you do. You use people as your vessel. God, let that be our heart cry today. Let that be our heart cry today in this house, Lord. Let us be honest. Let us be humbled. Let us hear your voice as you speak to us. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 This morning, I, I, I want to, I just want to open up this altar this morning. I just want anybody that's here this morning that's willing to say, Lord, I want you to shine forth as noonday. Lord, I want you to have, Lord, if I don't know you, I'm going to come up here and get a hold of you and get you. And Lord, if I know you and you're dealing, if God's dealing with your heart, if God's put anything, if anything in your heart, if you're just willing to say, Lord, here I am. I want you to shine. I want these promises, Lord. I want all of them, Lord. I want the whole thing. I want the new name I want it all God but Lord I'm willing to do my part but you've got to help me you've got to move with your spirit you've got to do the work I'm asking those that's willing to say that to come and just stand across the front of this service this morning as Priscilla plays and allow God to move and just raise your hands and say God here I am here I am Lord I want you to have your way Lord I want you to speak and God I want you to move and God I want you to do a work and God I want you to spring forth and God I want you to give victory and God I want you to move in a mighty way and God I don't want to be the way I've always been Lord I don't want to stand before you and God and think everything's good when you want to do more God you want to bless you want to pour out your spirit you want our health to spring forward you want to give victory and God you want to guide our steps Lord you want to do the miraculous in our lives and God we need it Lord in this hour we need it we need your glory we need your presence like never before God oh Lord stir our hearts shine Lord like a beacon within our lives and God let us see what you want us to do God whatever the relationship problems are Lord God let us treat others Lord like you treat us and God let us love you with all of our heart mind and soul and strength God let us be Lord a beacon for you Almighty God, that others can see you through us. Almighty God, it's only as you help us, God. Lord, you see these lives. God, as we raise our hands to you, as we surrender to you, God. 
Lord, each and every one of them, God, that there be such a change. God, there be such a drawing. And God, that we would leave this place different than we came. God, that we would see people differently, Lord. But we would be grateful for what you've done in our hearts and lives. And Almighty God, it would manifest itself in every person we touch. In every person we talk to. In every person that's watching our life. Oh God, do it, Lord. Have your way in this place, oh God.